0: I believe deeply that we all have highly active sensing and intuition when we're young and we can shut it down for cultural reasons, traumatic reasons. And so then as a collective and as a culture, we're really in a time right now of being invited to reawaken and recognize what An incredible amount of power and insight comes when we navigate life from our
1: sensing, not from our thinking and our wills. Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned Podcast, a place for changemakers to cultivate their intuition and foster greater impact in their everyday lives. I am your guide, Sydney Bloom. I am so thrilled to bring you all an episode today featuring our guest, Larissa Conte. Larissa founded Wayfinding in 2016 to equip leaders with enduring resources for embodying their sovereignty, following a life of calling, and deepening their practice of power that serves the whole. She is a leadership rites of passage guide and an internationally recognized coach whose insights on power source from 20 plus years of devoted interdisciplinary study application, and lived experience. I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation and I hope that you enjoy. Welcome to the Intuitively Aligned podcast. I'm so thrilled to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me, Sydney. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. To start off, can you share a little bit about who you are, where you come from, who your people are?
2: I would love to. I'm the daughter of Louis Robert Conte and Barbara McIntosh
0: Conte. My dad was first generation born in the United States from Italian immigrants in the 1930s in Jersey City, New Jersey, before the streets were paved. And my mom was born to... Irish, Scottish descended immigrants to North America who first landed in Canada and then came to central Canada and dropped down into the Great Plains area of Nebraska. I'm the sister of Mark Conte. We look like twins, but we are not. We're born about four years apart, almost on exactly the same day. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I have the enormous good fortune
2: of coming from a loving, curious, deeply
0: nature-connected, food-connected, culture-curious, emotionally rich family. Both of my parents were in the psychiatric field. My father was a psychiatrist and my mom was a nurse as well as a psychiatric nurse. So the amount of emotional literacy and curiosity about becoming
2: was
1: part of what I
0: got to grow up in.
1: How incredible. Yeah,
0: so incredible. And I've been informed by so many other lineages and so many other people as well as so many places. I was born in Washington, D.C. in the United States and grew up just outside of D.C. in Maryland. And that land is one of the richest watersheds with one of the biggest estuaries of Chesapeake Bay. And then I spent The rest of my life, I spent about 20 years based there, spent the rest of my life based in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is the other largest estuarine bay. So this place of mixing, Mm. this place of high diversity, where there is ecological mixing, there's the greatest ecological diversity. And those are just some of the threads that inform me, that have shaped me. And I can weave forward more as they come up in my stories. But I'll pause with that for
1: now. I know from our conversations leading up to this episode, just how interconnected your being is with our living environment around us and the earth. And I'm wondering, where do you think the best place would be to start in terms of sharing your own journey of intuition and impact. Interestingly, what's coming forward in this
0: moment is the time I spent in nature as a child. Mm. Because to me, intuition, the word that I use in, in my work and my expression most more than intuition is sensing. And I do that because sensing is an intuition I view as the extension of our physical senses into our energetic and more than physical sensing Mm. into our sensing of the unseen and spending time in nature, spending time in the forests and the creeks in Maryland and in the seaside where I spent, where I was fortunate to spend my time growing up in the summers in Massachusetts, and then in the Sierra during my college summers, the Sierra Nevada, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: the vastness and the aliveness that exists in nature, that is undisturbed by the thought forms that we have as people, is one of the most potent territories for our sensing to come alive because when our sensing activates and we have a curiosity pull us, it's like, Oh, what's down that path. Mm -hmm. We're like, why do I want to walk out on that sandbar or like, what is that in the sand or like what's just up over that ridge Mm -hmm. or like whose feather is this? Yes. That we're drawn out as an invitation into relationship with life so intuition to me is fundamentally deeply relational Mm -hmm. it's sensing relationships sensing the interconnected threads of relationship between all living
2: beings and so that amazing opportunity i had growing up in nature and then
0: that I lost in a lot of ways as I went through the educational system and became trained to, you know, focus on in a particular way and and direct Mm -hmm. my awareness in a particular way. I needed to reawaken it later in life. And so I share about childhood because I believe deeply that we all have highly active sensing and intuition when we're young. And we can shut it down for cultural reasons, traumatic reasons. Mm -hmm. And so then as a collective and as a culture, we're really in a time right now of being invited to reawaken our sensing and recognize what an incredible amount of power and insight comes when we navigate life from our sensing,
2: not from our thinking and our wills.
1: That resonates very deeply for me. Would you say a little bit about what you do in your working world right now, just to contextualize the conversation in terms of how sensing is so central to the way that you bring your gifts to the world?
0: Hmm. All right. I'm happy to share that. Thank you. I found an organization
2: called Wayfinding in 2016. And the intention, the mission of wayfinding is to support and guide heart-centered leaders
0: to more fully inhabit their power that serves the whole and to learn to take responsibility for their patterns of shadow power. Mm. This organization, this vision is so richly informed by my college and post-college years in life when I was studying interdisciplinary environmental science and policy at Stanford. Mm. I was there in the early 2000s, 2000 to 2005. And in that time, really steeping myself in the truth of the environmental crisis caused by modern humanity and wondering where did we get the belief that humans are separate from nature where did that false idea come from because it's a culturally held truth that persisted for a long time but mm-hmm. it's an ecological untruth so i was very curious where did that where did that originate from so i designed my masters at stanford to investigate the origin of that idea in The United States culture. So, but then obviously, then I'm looking back through European culture all the way back to the inception of
2: agriculture.
0: Right. And to see these nudging moments of how did we go from indigenous cultural worldview and collectives on the European
2: continent, then nudging at these key moments. With becoming
0: moving from being nomadic to being settled agriculture societies, and then with the example of the interpretation of the mm-hmm. Bible with key phrases of, for example, the dominion phrase, let's say, and, and man would have dominion over the fish of the sea and the animals of the land and the birds of the sky, the interpretation of dominion, dominion in the original writing meant stewardship, not ownership.
1: This and is where st- definitions really matter.
0: Yeah. And so then these these unfolding moments and then, you know, the burning times in England and the slaughter of medicine people and midwives and the expanse of Christianity and then on into colonialism, which colonialism in Europe, and this is very rarely taught, was largely spurred because Europe had been almost entirely deforested at that point and trees were needed to build the ships of the great navies of Europe.
1: How devastating.
0: Yeah. So, so colonialism and the spread of this idea of this cultural perspective of disconnection consciousness, which is what I call it, Mm -hmm. that then also was the origin of the creation of race Yes. Then it just spread in these cascades of disconnection, like fabric and unraveling. We all know the history of then, you know, just accelerated. There's this accelerated unraveling. And now we're in this time of recognizing deeply in our own bodies, in our societies, in the world and our ecology, the consequences of these false ideas of disconnection. And there's this massive renaissance in all of these different fronts of society advocating for us living out connection consciousness. Mm -hmm. And I specifically work with heart-centered leaders in organizations to help them understand power literacy because I see them as tipping points in this reweaving. Because as a systems healer, as a medicine woman, I understand after years and years of being a nature educator, Mm -hmm. it can be very difficult for people to care about nature or to even care about other human beings if they don't care about themselves and not just care about, but really love. Yes. So there are all these interconnected scales of healing happening right now. And for people who... May self identify as change makers or activists or leaders for the greater good. Mm -hmm. That's the type of audience that I serve at Wayfinding to help them understand that power is actually
2: an electrical aspect of life. A waterfall is powerful. Yes. A stirring solo by a vocalist that brings goosebumps on your skin is electrical. The birth of your first child or any of your children is
0: electrical, as well as the harm we cause to each other. Those are different types of charges and they still have voltage. So how to us for us to clean up our concept of what power is, to bring it out of this false spell that it's bad, Because in order to be agents of healing and reweaving all those unraveled threads, we actually have to become conduits for the life force to speak through us and flow through
1: us ever more. Can you pinpoint a moment when you recognized yourself as a conduit of that energy, that electricity in relation to your own power
0: Mm -hmm. and what that meant for you? Well, I know the story that's coming forward. And I'm here for it. This is the, you know, the first, but it's the one that's letting itself be known in my consciousness. So we'll go with it. So I've spent more, more of my life translating these awe inspiring, magical moments that I've had in life Mm -hmm. into principles and ideas to teach others to give them handholds to awaken their own expansion Mm -hmm. rather than
2: it starting with ideas. Yes. So when I was a senior in college, my wonderful father, Louis Conte, died. And that's a story that I tell
0: often and in many settings but I'm not going to go into the details of the moment that I realized that because there's also magic and power in that story too. Mm -hmm. But it was January and I was in Palo Alto, California and Palo Alto is inland from the Pacific coast. You know, where I lived was probably an hour drive from the Pacific and in between the Pacific and where I lived it was the, the coastal range, the coastal, coastal hills, which for yes. people who live in the West Coast, they're hills. And for people who live in the East Coast, they look a lot more like mountains. Yes. So I drove out. As soon as my dad died, my body, my sensing took over and I, I just began walking. Every day I'd wake up, I would pack a backpack with water and food And I would just go walk and follow where my body was called and walk and cry and fall down on the earth and walk and cry and walk and cry and walk and cry and walk and cry. And And what I know now is that my intuition was guiding me through the first layer of the grief ritual of Mm. saying goodbye to my father in this form in in the earth plane. And on one of those days... It ended up being about five days, I think, in a row that I did this. On one of those days, I was walking. And magical things had been happening that whole time, you know, synchronicities and places I was called, and things I would find on the trail. One of the days I was walking and a turkey vulture came and soared right over me and somehow the wind dynamics allowed it to just hover right above me like 10 to 15 feet above me and and it followed me like that for maybe 100 or 150 feet and in the language of power and the electricity of power i could feel something was happening you know this was an unusual happening of course and my mind didn't know what to do with it. And at the end, but my body was having a lot of feelings.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I had a lot of stories about what turkey vultures represented, you know, because in popular culture, vultures are often stigmatized and demonized as these ugly birds, these like scavengers, you know, there's just like all this negative association with. Them. Mm-hmm. And this turkey vultures just Just, it's not doing anything aggressive. You know, if I had like been in my sense, I could realize like it was with me. Yes. It was just with me. And I got so scared in that moment because there was more power occurring than my body could handle and then my mind could handle. And I got afraid. And so I ran. Mm.
2: I ran away. And I, I just held it as a question. I was like, "What was that?" And the,
0: that thread of that story stuck with me until fast forwarding. So my dad died in January of two thousand five. In January of two thousand seven, I went to live on an organic permaculture farm in Marin County. Mm and i was living in a tent in the winter there and farming preparing the beds and one day i was
2: preparing a bed for planting and i heard this like i look up and there's this turkey vulture just like it's like huge wings and every
0: wing beat just made this enormous sound and then i could see it was just rising up above the tree line to catch the currents rising up this valley and i started crying when i realized how incredibly magical turkey Mm -hmm. vultures are
2: Mm
0: -hmm. that they eat death and they turn it into flight yes and that Having been at that point two years into the grieving process of my dad and realizing when you are metabolizing that which is dying in your life and going through a transformational process, you do not have extra energy to just flap around. Yes. You must ride the currents of
2: the winds of life and of spirit. You must sail on those currents.
0: Because you do not have the luxury of excess energy. And I understood what happened that that day in 2005 so differently. And I just felt like, oh, that was my dad coming to visit me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And that was like one or two days before I had an experience where I found him. I felt him in a forest and I realized I didn't have this from a, a religious or a cosmological imprinting in my being, but I was like, oh, I get to have a different form of relationship with my dad. He's not here in an embodied way anymore, but but our relationship isn't over. That's and very... he can visit me through the turkey vultures. And also the turkey vultures became my first great teachers in the natural world, you know, in, mm-hmm. the, in the way we, the, the concept of like a medicine
2: animal or medicine teacher, spirit animal, all of our relations embody
0: medicine. They literally live the medicine of their wisdom. Every single creature, every single river, every single element and rock and season and time of day lives that truth that nature is an open secret. The wisdom of life's designs are dancing and flying and singing and photosynthesizing all around us all the time. And so that sensing moment with the vulture taught me and continues to teach me, the vultures continue to Teach me about the mechanics of what it means to be an alchemist, what it means to be one who transforms that which appears corrupt or useless or dead or even rotten mm-hmm. into gold, into learning, into
2: insight, into joy, into healing. So that's the story that came. That's such an incredibly powerful
1: story. And such a powerful reminder and transmission of that deep remembering. I don't think we hold in our minds as a choice or an availability mm. the depth of healing and integration and that energetic presence or spirit that we feel when we fall into that deep, deep relationship with the living world so what do you do with that insight the insight from the vulture the insight of like what's possible through deep relationality i think it's interconnected yeah and i would say the latter because i feel like when we give ourselves space in nature to be moving so much shows up then you could talk about the last couple of years and how people suddenly said, oh, yeah, we need to get outside. We need to be moving around. Now that's very different than the, the wisdom and the electricity that comes into the body as a form of knowing when we show up in that longer duration of presence in that space. Mm-hmm. Is there anything more you would want to say about that? Yeah. Those five days that
2: I spent walking. I felt like undeniably
0: alive and bathed in this magic because I ended up finding my father's spirit filling the entire forest. Mm. I was walking and crying and walking and crying and I I walked around around this bend in a in a foggy Douglas fir forest where all the trunks of the trees were covered in moss in January light and this the light was diffused in all of these particles of fog hanging in the clothes. And,
2: and I, I discovered, I did not mentally project. I discovered my father's spirit filling this whole place. Mm.
0: And there's a difference in having an idea versus having a sensation. It was like I smelled him, I smelled yes. his energy, and
2: and the the power of the vulture moment, the power of that grove, the magic, that that indescribable sense of the mystery and the wonder of
0: life. For so long, I thought it lived. I thought
2: I could only access it through the portal of my grief. Uh, and there was a way that i was hanging on to my grief because i wanted to keep being
0: able to access the magic and power of life and we all do this in different ways like if you access it through there are many many doorways it can be accessed through but if you think you can only access it through one door we can become like imbalanced and and like codependent with that doorway
1: yes we can actually end up living in the doorway and not right discovering the ubiquity of what's available
0: exactly and and not knowing the truth that it's literally
2: that that's just the nature of life Mm -hmm. and so i i went
0: from there from the you know farm where i had the vulture inside i then went into this this training with john young and who's an incredible tracker and and one of the he's responsible for connecting so many people to nature and and remembering these these life ways really
1: yeah
0: that indigenous cultures have never forgotten, but the cultural erosion and the loss of indigenous consciousness on the European continent was left as this like wound, this cultural wound that was transmitted through time. And so he was my, he was really the first teacher I had who helped reconnect me to that remembering and sharing the incredibly generous gifts bestowed to him from indigenous wisdom holders from around the world, from the Akamba people of East Africa, Lakota people of the Great Plains,
2: Apache, of the American Southwest, and Hawaiians. And that process of, of reconnecting
0: my relationships and reconnecting with spirit and life and self then I started to believe that I could only do it living in remote areas and like being in contact with the deep wild. Mm. And I noticed, I was like, oh, I think I might be doing that same thing that I did with grief. And I, through various circumstances, moved from that, those years of learning and those years of rewilding and those years of trans lineage healing and beauty into living the curiosity of what does this mean for me to be this
2: way in a city and i moved into san francisco
1: that must have been dramatically different it was painful it was painful Uh, There's something sorry to just yeah jump in. I trust it. Go ahead. There's something that happens. So I share in a in a recent in an episode that's released before our conversation. It's already out. i sh- I shared a little bit about an experience I had in high school where I had dropped a class and needed to make up a credit and ended up on Vancouver Island in British Columbia, Canada, in the coastal temperate rainforest. And how my entire experience of life completely transformed. And then the shock that I felt returning to Toronto afterwards. Like I remember being 16 years old
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and coming mm-hmm.
1: back and grieving the pavement that was everywhere. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was beautiful and it was summertime. And I remember I was walking the dog with my dad and he was, my, my, my parents both, are, I believe, are very magical people, each in different and interconnected ways. And my dad is someone who holds this profound awe and reverence for life and for the world. And he was saying, like, look how beautiful it is. Like, it's summer and everybody had these beautiful, we were in a beautiful neighborhood of Toronto with incredible gardens and manicured lawns. And I was just struck with grief and I couldn't explain it. Mm-hmm. And we actually talked about it because I couldn't not speak the grief that I was feeling. And especially because that trip had been gifted to me by my parents and they always welcomed through my whole life to this day, whatever experience and whatever knowledge I've received or wisdom I've tapped into, they've really given reverence to the dialogues that we have and to being really open to not just sharing their wisdom and experience with me, but to also receiving the different perspectives that I've held in my life and so I'm very very grateful for that and I remember Mm -hmm. we walked and I was just saying to him but you don't know what it feels like to be in these old growth forests Mm -hmm. like what was here before this was here you know Mm -hmm. and that was three weeks of a summer near the end of high school so I can't imagine having spent years living on the land with the explicitly stated intention of showing up in relationship to life and to nature to then find yourself in san francisco having spent years in those environments i can't imagine how confronting it would have been
2: yeah thank
1: you (laughs) thank you for joining
2: and it's like the that's part of our predicament and opportunity Mm-hmm. You know, and so like how
0: I how I dealt with this was continuing to immerse myself in the different spaces and figure out how to weave connective tissue in my consciousness between times spent in the more wild, less densely human populated places mm-hmm. and then the urban wilds of, mm. of the beauty of, of concentrated humans and and yes, it was it was like violently shocking to go from experiences of like sitting in the desert, fasting for four days when I heard the stars sing
2: for the first time. Ah. Oh. And to know like, like we don't even know what we've lost. That's right. But then, then, like, what is my
0: role in the remembering so I... So in my personal life, I have a practice of maintaining that connective tissue
2: between uh, all of the spaces because part of what we reckon with, what we,
0: we must reckon with at this time is we must be present with all the loss and all the harm and all the theft and all the oppression and all the genocide and all the extinction and all the pollution Mm
2: -hmm. and all the beauty and all the resilience and all the irrepressible truth both outside of us and within us and within us
1: so what does that practice
2: look like yeah so Oh, there are a couple of threads
0: coming up. There's a story I'm just mentally pinning for myself. That practice for me of like, what do we do? And the question of what do we collectively do? Because I shared about what do I do? Like, right. I must re- maintain an orientation and consciousness and my life ways and my life practices, the rituals and the ceremonies I conduct in my own life,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which I define ceremonies as intentional spaces. Mm. Hmm. For transformation and rituals are the actions we have to remind us of the ideals that we have already contacted. So, if ceremony helps us contact that which we've never contacted before, you know, it's like the big opening, then ritual is the reminder of what we've already contacted and already know. And so, to me, it's a drum beat, it's a rhythmic, it's like a polyrhythm of layering both of those through our life. To open to the new and remind ourselves of, of what we've already learned. So, so
1: beautiful. That's so beautifully put, Larissa. Mm,
0: oh, thank you. And so, in a lot of ways, that's what I help, I help leaders in their sensing first and foremost, you know, and remember to trust their sensing because there's a very deep spell that's been cast in. Modern organizations and modern society. I'll just again put it in that's like largely dominated by disconnection consciousness that, that tells mm-hmm. us intuition is woo woo. Intuition can't be trusted. Intuition is for, you know, crazy, crystal toting, velvet wearing weirdos. Yeah. Um, and so the stigma of that marketing campaign has deep tap roots through history connected to the slaughter of indigenous people around the world.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: starting with the slaughter of indigenous people and indigenous cultures and the medicine people of europe Mm -hmm. so we have to get really real about the intense fear that is embedded culturally as well as in aspects of the human mind and human shadow that want to know want to be in control want to see everything mm-hmm. when we are actually living in a reality swimming in the unknown beautifully bathing in the unknown and when the unknown is scary then we're flooded with fear and when the unknown is an adventure we get to discover we animals who love story and we all want to live a good story hmm then we can relax and we can sense and we can trust I'm finding my way. And it doesn't mean that I won't encounter pain or challenge, but I get to live fully and I get to live the truth of my being. And I get to expand into the magic of what I am uniquely here to express and conduct and experience and love and create that soul longing Mm. is bursting through people in work, more than perhaps ever before in my lifetime, as a result of all we've gone through as humanity. So, the burgeoning thirst for meaning, for wholeness, for wholeheartedness, for being installed and in spirited beings, living our mythopoetic journeys, doesn't mean we're abandoning this commitment to also create outer change. It's recognizing I will not be fed. If I only create outside of myself, I too must grow. I too must remember the thousands of lightning bugs that used to exist when I was a child.
2: Mm,
0: yes. And why are there only six now? And the time when my grandmother's clock as a story from one of my clients in our alchemical leadership program. She told the story of grandmother's grandfather chiming after it had not chimed for years at the death of a loved one. Wow. These moments that are, how is life speaking through us and how can we be open to the beauty and the mystery rather than afraid Of the electricity rather than being afraid of the magnitude rather than being so
2: afraid of that which can be larger than the mind so i help people learn
0: to build their tolerance and to recognize oh okay sensing the thing one two Mm -hmm. it doesn't lead me astray I just had traumatic moments with my sensing. And so then I adopted beliefs about what my sensing is and what it isn't and how it can and can't be trusted. So, like doing healing with their own sensing apparatus internally, Mm -hmm. and then starting to recognize the powers of the patterns of power, excuse me, that exist within themselves and in others, and to know, oh, when I start to understand the species of power. The many species of power that power isn't one thing power is a multi-dimensional multi thing and we're all expressing constellations of it from my mastery power to my inner power to my play power to my erotic power to mm-hmm. my story power my organizing power my privilege power my decision making power
2: my family power my learning power my art and artifact power. There are so many types that we
0: can inhabit as power that serves the whole or shadow power, because the distinction between those things is actually one of the biggest reasons why people don't trust their sensing. That they're like, oh, but I was called to this thing and then something intensely painful happened. So I think my sensing is BS. Right. Instead of seeing
1: it, instead of seeing it for what,
0: what it really is exactly in terms of the apparatus a loudly expressed shadow power hook you know our shadow power is appealed to by all sorts of things yeah and if we don't know when we're navigating from our power that serves the whole or our shadow power then we don't trust our navigational system which i we think start to understand then like whoa, wow. Then there's like massive amounts of energy are reclaimed and massive amounts of clarity return. And then we're like, oh, I'm a trustworthy navigator.
1: <laughs> yes. And yet we've been so profoundly separated from our physical sensing, which was where you started, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. all of these difficulties ensue simply by virtue of us not knowing what it feels like to be in sensing, let alone to recognize the power in it and then discern
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and the, the the story that came up earlier that is like pulling on my the t-shirt hem of my consciousness as we talk <laughs> yes kind of like oh i'm right this here. is the
1: personal story yeah yeah yes, it's let's like, hear it i work with
0: closeted magic people I identify as
2: a medicine woman. Yeah, I've been called many things. Many cultures call this beinghood different names. Yes. And I'm less
0: interested in the name than I am in the beingness, but I can share some of the names to make it easier for the listeners. Names for people like this
2: can be medicine person, shaman, witch, wizard, killer, etc. But this identity group, this group, the group of people
0: who identify in these ways, who have developed in these ways, who have come into their expression and mastery in these ways is still one of the identities that is actively stigmatized and left out of the conversation of inclusion at work. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because if we reference back to that intertemporal, you know, smear campaign. Yeah it's based in a Christian dominant worldview that was violently robbing land from indigenous people first on the European continent and then elsewhere. Like linguistically, this one thread in the robe of dissection consciousness that has been
2: laid over, woven through all our systems. And it's, There's a posture of simultaneous awareness
0: and Mm non-adversary-ness that is critical to embody. Because when we start fighting something that we think is bad or wrong or that is very clearly causing harm, Mm -hmm. Now we are coming from a form of shadow power itself. And so that's one of the great teachings of shadow power is how to encounter it without fighting or being a victim. And that gets into like the deeper work of my work at wayfinding is how do we reckon with the shadow power moves and dynamics in our own consciousness and in our interrelating with others so that we can put down those patterns of thinking we are fighting
2: mm-hmm.
0: while still not being naive yeah and choosing power that serves the whole it is a is a delicate and complex thing the story that's coming forward is the story of my own reckoning with being a magical person and
2: how i inhabit that posture in the public realm that yes there's the there's like the surface stigma the surface lack of respect active disrespect that can happen mm-hmm. to ways of
0: knowing that are not simply intellectually based that does not mean they're less rigorous yeah that does not mean they're less valuable and having been trained at like you know one of the top universities in the united states i understand the level of rigor there and i also bring that same rigor to my magical self and my unfolding in relationship with the
2: mystery that moves through all things, but I, this which is story... to be,
1: re, which is to be revered, yes, like it's that. Certain. To me, and I, I'm, I'm interrupting you, and I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but I really no. can't emphasize enough, especially for people listening. Like, you know, many people have been socially conditioned to go through life thinking that that intellectual, academic rigor is what we should be striving for, and. To be in the midst of somebody who can understand and model, let alone find the language to describe the rigor that goes into the level of physical, interrelational, and then energetic empowerment that you hold, to me, that is truly something to be revered.
2: Mm. 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 Thank so, you. And I don't want to lose your thread. Sure. Sure. Having been trained as a scientist at Stanford University, I did not expect to walk the path I would walk in my 20s and 30s and now into my, my 40s. And I had to learn how to trust my sensing, how to learn
0: to listen to the subtle
2: communications from life and to know how to navigate by them. And there was a deep resistance in me, which one level of that resistance I understood as
0: my intellectual coding and training that intellect is the highest and, you know, potentially taught the only form of human intelligence. But intellect is not the only form of human intelligence. Intuition and sensing are massively powerful forms of human intelligence. And we know this from the processing capacity of the subconscious mind versus the conscious mind. We also know that the conscious mind can
2: convince us that anything is right. And in that way, the conscious mind is dangerous. Right. So the conscious mind can do great harm
0: when it only operates from beliefs and when it's disconnected from sensing. That's when we are disconnected from sensing, when we are disconnected from care of self or other, we create harm. And that is what shadow power is. But then there is this deeper layer that I didn't understand, this deeper resistance to my path as a medicine person. You know, I was 27 when I heard from life Sensed, sensed, heard. Life can communicate in many ways, and I often don't get like. For me, it doesn't occur as words. It's not like another voice reading a script. I can right. get a flash of an image. I can get a smell, an energetic smell of something that then
1: translates. Um, I can get the f- musical. The, fa- the fact that you, the fact that you tap into the olfactory knowing. <laughs> Like, greets my soul in the most beautiful way because <laughs> I also have had that happen, but people don't mm-hmm. often speak of it to mm-hmm. the point that you're making. Yeah. If in a society where if people are talking about intuitive things, they think that clairvoyancy is the only form of intuition. And yet, there's all of these right there's multiple sentence, ways there's of their audience it, right? there's all these, all these and arguments. then there's all these things that aren't in the google the word Claire's and see what comes up right there's exactly all those other ways of sensing and knowing so i i really appreciate you touching on that because i think uh. it's like a, it's a myth that needs to continue to be debunked and addressed
0: yeah yeah i agree and and like a a curiosity breadcrumb trail Yes. Or you and anyone listening is this is like my my partner Michael and I talk about these as side quests. So I'm still going to tell the story and like side quest, I'm pointing down another trail. Like down that other trail right over there. Yeah. You know, my team and I have mapped 36 types of power that occur most commonly at work and how they express a shadow power and power that serves the whole. And there are magical expressions of each of them. Yes. So I noticed I was so touched to see it down there. And like, I'm just going to leave that over there. We're going to return. And we will.
1: And to honor the side path that we are not going to walk right now, I will just note (laughs) that in the show notes, we'll give a link to your website that includes the graphic because I know Mm. you share that graphic very openly. Is that right? It That is, that's that's correct. So we'll make sure to put it in because it made me really witness and appreciate the multiple levels on which you are delivering various truths through mm. your through your work and through your mission thank but, you but thank you so back going back to the main to, trail
0: back to the main trail back on the main trail there was part of me the intellectually trained stanford master's degree part was like whoa really are we doing this and like i just kept walking the trail and i was like we are doing this (laughs) and after i had my near fatal accident and i was healing i'd be like well are we doing this like this is some crazy stuff that's happening i was like yeah we're doing this
2: but the resistance i found out went deeper than that in may of 2018
0: through the seeing of another seer who shared who asked friend alex anderson
2: Mm
0: -hmm. asked if he could share something he saw with me and i have had people tell me things like oh you did this in a past life and this happened i was like all right all right and my sensing didn't really like connect yeah well there's a lot of
1: projecting i I don't receive other
0: people's projecting right so i'm i am a tuning fork and let's see what you say with my tuning fork yeah, That is my sovereignty. That is an expression of my own power. And that's what I hope you are doing, all listeners, as you listen to this, what is vibrates in truth for you. Mm-hmm. And so he Thank shared, you for saying that. Yeah, that's part of how we develop our sensing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: part of how we develop our sensing and build our sovereignty and our power. So he asked and I said, yes. And he shared, he said, you- were once a very powerful witch during the burning times and you weren't in the closet about it Mm. and you got burned at the stake in front of your community and we happened to be sitting in a forest that had burn scars on the trees around us not that far from the view a direct view of mount shasta and
2: i exploded into tears and it felt so true and felt like this lightning bolt like ripped open a memory stream in my being
0: and I didn't understand like the force of what was happening Mm-hmm. It took me years, years and years. I would have, intermittently, I would have flashes of, uh, these moments of like standing on a woodpile, burning, watching people who I'd healed them and delivered their
2: babies and helped them prepare to get married, just watch me burn. And and this is a very difficult thing to understand and so I didn't talk about
0: it for a long time because we talk about trauma that occurs in this life and I was like well what do we do with traumatic things stored in our bodies from other lives other times you know my science mind at this point is just like I don't it's like I don't know I just (laughs) his hands up and it's like I'm you know don't look at me like well it's hard in my realm
1: Hard enough to talk about the traumas that we've lived through in this life or that are collectively held, let alone the, what was the language that you used? The trans. Oh my goodness. I feel like there was a word that you used to describe this when you're having a physical memory that's not from this time or place.
0: Yeah. I don't recall the exact word I used, but I, I remember talking about it and, and I had, I have had very traumatic things happen in this life. I fell off of a waterfall. And bounced on a boulder four times, almost bled out to death. And it took me 12 years to heal from that. And so it wasn't like, it's I like did there's no trauma in this life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, my gosh. And so, so when I opened up to, like, oh, what it just the curiosity of, like, what is mine to heal? What do I get to learn from? And really feeling the, unspoken threat of being seen for who one is as a magic person Mm. because we have the the collective recognition of all of the different types of threats in our you know disconnected divisive separatist oppressive society views of many different categories of identity with like racism and gender and sexuality mm-hmm. and this is one we don't talk about there's one we yeah. don't talk about and so i reckon and it's with in- it,
1: and it's intangible
0: yeah it's, been and it's non-physical in so many ways it's like oh are you choosing this are you self-appointed you know it's just like there's a lot of skepticism and I serve hundreds of people yeah, who are leaders, who self-identify this way and grapple with this self-identification and who
2: have succeeded in their careers at the highest levels of business mm-hmm. because of their sensing because of their ability
0: to hear the silent song of life and navigate the subtle currents. And so a lot of my work at wayfinding is helping people reestablish their trust and their sensing and then reclaim their identity Mm. and reclaim the wholeness of self. And I needed to do that in
2: my own way to really learn the The depth of cellularly remembered violence of what goes along with
0: the disrespect, the misunderstanding, the curiosity, the fear. But it's also so interesting because when we think about the wild, when you think Mm -hmm. about power, when you think about...
2: An enormous waterfall, yeah, or the ocean, or a mountain range, or like a bighorn sheep who can just scale ridiculous, like half
0: an inch of you know rock protrusion, just like boop boop boop, and you're like, what did you just do with your body? (laughs) Like the the sheer torrent of electricity when we focus. And really, truly sense the bigness in those examples I just named. Mm -hmm. It can make the mind start to wobble. And the mind wants to distract. And the mind wants to look over here. Like, let's touch my phone or, like, do something. It's like, stay. Can you stay? Can you build your tolerance to be with the muchness of life? Mm
1: -hmm. Because the
0: muchness of life can flow through you too. But your shadow power, slack. The plaque and the obstructions of shadow power occluding the riverways of your being are what do not allow the muchness to flow, are what do not allow the power that serves the whole and the greatness that is your being to flow through you. Mm. And part of the plaque is the remembered trauma. And so there's healing that gets to happen there. And right. part of the plaque are the adopted
2: protection mechanisms of our shadow to not have to deal with that pain, to not have to deal with being harmed by others or causing harm to others. And
0: we recognize, oh, the wildness in our own beings, the fullness, the muchness, the brightness, the expanse
2: of power asks us to open It asks us to open, it asks us to let go, let go of knowing, let go of control, Mm -hmm. let go of being the one, of being right, of being the victim, to release and fall into the discovery of who we are,
0: of who we really are, of what we're really capable of, of the
2: The fact that the stars can sing is no less true about your own soul. Mm -hmm. It's no less true about the magnificence, yearning to pour forth through your own being and the artistic
0: creation of your life and your love and your service. And that can terrify us. It is not just
2: the challenges that terrify us. It's muchness that can terrify us. And so
0: I hope that these stories, I hope this conversation serves as
2: motivation to say, what if I don't just put up (laughs) with... Certain things. Mm-hmm. What if I
0: allow myself the bigness of this courageous, perhaps at times bewildering longing to be more? Yeah. Which is not to say that you are not enough. You are enough always. You are enough now as you are in your becoming next year, as you are in your becoming in 10 years. We are simultaneously holding those realities but to have the courage to shed the skin of who you've been to become what you know
2: not yet. That is the path of power. And that is what I am
0: here to help serve and steward. And I also believe that life is has always been asking that of us. That's just fundamentally the invitation of
1: being human. I completely agree. And I feel like the reality that we live in with all of this being so calls on us to also remember we're not meant to do this work in isolation. Mm -hmm. And where Mm -hmm. we began at the very earliest part of this storytelling spiral with memories of our interrelationality with all of life and other beings animals creatures humans i think where you've brought us in terms of your story and your contribution through the impact that you create in all of these multiple dimensions of being i think the the most I mean, the most important piece to not forget is that we don't do it alone. In fact, Mm -hmm. that's like, I don't know, I'm Mm -hmm. like, I think that's why you guide in the way that you do and you teach in the way that you do the same way that I serve in the way that I do, because Mm -hmm. we know what it's like to experience loss and grief, to feel alone, to feel disconnected, to be in those shadow parts, let alone shadow stories and paths, and to recognize that it was never meant to be tackled as one alone, but one as a whole, which I know is so central to your Mm. definition of wholeness and power to me just feels like the most beautiful, beautiful ending point, even though I don't know if I said that very articulately, but I, I hope you receive I thought intention it was lovely. in that. I thought it was
2: lovely and so well articulated.
1: I was saying to Larissa as we started that one of my learning styles and love languages is to receive by hearing And Mm. so hearing the way in which you break down our power, the power of our
2: lives and our being so that we can integrate
1: and heal and move forward, just, I feel, has like this transmutative force that really is a gift, not just to me, but to anybody who listens. Mm. So what oh, kind of you sydney it's not kindness it's mm. reverence for <laughs> the truth as i see and hear and experience it mm. and you're welcome it's received with thank great you. kindness thank you <laughs> thank, thank you, you. thank so. you and
0: thank you for creating this conversational space this intention of this podcast
2: to be a space of invitation and a space of permission for people who are dedicated to the greater good and also dedicated to curious about intrigued by intrigued by mm-hmm. these things they sense these things they intuit that they don't
0: always understand because this, that loneliness you spoke of that mm-hmm. can exist is
2: a necessary attribute of being in a moment of cultural reweaving and remembering. As we remember what it means to be alive and to be a part of
0: the life fabric and to be wild, fully alive, powerful beings. We are also not just
2: here to be in service of everyone else. Mm -hmm. We are simultaneously here to enjoy our own lives and our own unfoldings and our own beautiful becoming. I feel like that gets lost so much for people dedicated
0: to serving and being change makers. Yes. May
2: you remember the pleasure, the awe, the wonder, the delight of being alive and learning who and what you are.
0: Because I have found that, that place, that place that I have known in my own path, that I hear in your own path, I know from all the folks who I support, But it's like when we
2: honor our own unfolding and contemplating in our own ways who we are and who we're becoming and making meaning, that then the outer creations that happen from there are vastly more electric and impactful because yes. i have this taproot
0: that's based in our own transformation and becoming
1: the certainty is there
2: mhm and mm-hmm.
0: it
1: creates it creates a direct connection then to everything we do in life mhm mhm so i'm i am so grateful
0: to you for the stand that you are and the invitation that you are and the listener but you are and your own path of cultivated mastery as an intuitive being, as a
2: magical being, and the way that you stand revealed in your wholeness as a host of these conversations. It's so
0: lovely, and it's been such a gift to be here with you
2: and do this together. And know you in this way.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. That is fully received. Mm. To our audience, I want to say thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed. If you like what you're listening to, please subscribe, share, or click the notification button on your podcast platform. For those listening on Apple Podcasts, I would be so grateful for a five-star rating and a written review. This will also make it easier for other listeners to find the show. If you want to connect with me more, please join me on Substack. I will be posting longer form written pieces about my intuitive changemaker journey, as well as bonus audio content, and having online discussions with the intuitively aligned podcast community. You can also find me through Instagram at sydneyrebeck, yes, that's sydneyrebeck without an A on the end, or through my website, www.sydneybloom.com. I also want to give a shout out to our podcast producer, Wilson Lin. And I want to thank you again for joining me on this journey. I can't wait for you to hear the next episode.